Well, welcome everybody. We're gonna start a series of meetings on the psychotherapy pamphlet. Um, it's, uh, it was written after the course was taken down and um, in its, the course itself in, in its initial stages of publishing within about a year that the uh, psychotherapy pamphlet came out as a way of uh, Jesus correcting um, people's perception of what healing was all about. Of course, students, of course, were <laughs> like everybody, were caught up in believing healing was about the world and the body and the personality, et cetera, et cetera. But um, as it um, succinctly says in the opening introduction to this, this pamphlet, healing is all about the mind, certainly from Jesus's point of view, from, um, and certainly from the pamphlet's point of view, healing is about um, correcting our perception not correcting our behavior as bodies, not fixing our personalities, not even seeking, um, you know, what was wrong or what wasn't wrong in our family of origin. And Jesus isn't saying don't do that. I mean, if it's helpful, do it. But when it comes to healing in the Course, it's always about reconnecting with the Holy Spirit and being willing to see each other, our brother, and ourselves the way the Holy Spirit does. That's always the healing. That's always the correction of perception. And certainly that's what the pamphlet itself is shooting for. And that's the approach we will we'll be taking to the pamphlet. Um, in terms of, uh, let's see, the pamphlet itself, there's different versions of the pamphlet. The one I use is an older edition. The, the newer editions um, are nice and blue but this is kind of old and beat up. Um, if you have a newer course book, it's in the back of the book under supplements. And if you've been around for a while, you might even have a copy of this. <laughs> this was uh, where um, they, yeah, right, they uh, combined the two, the psychotherapy pamphlet and the song of prayer in that little green edition. Uh, from 96, I think. So um, definitely recommended you have one of them, <laughs> something to follow through if you, if you continue um, in their series and, you know, it, it's helpful to have it. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. If you haven't seen our, um, if you're not familiar with Ken Watnick's take on, on the course's metaphysics, um, certainly having some familiar, um, you know, study of, of the chart, Ken Wapnick's chart, and, and the three different areas of experience that he, he outlines in the chart, it's really helpful to have that in your awareness. You know, check out some of Ken's videos on the chart or on, in our uh, School for Course in Miracles website, we have about five, five different videos on the chart itself, they all basically have the same content. I try to take a somewhat of a different approach um, on each of those videos, but they're all basically saying the same thing. And uh, it's really helpful, probably more than helpful, <laughs> it may be necessary to get through this pamphlet, because this is kind of like the capstone for the course in terms of healing. You have to have some idea of the course's metaphysics. You have to have a little bit of an idea of what's going on in the course in order to be able to, I think, assimilate what's being said here in the, 
in the psychotherapy pamphlet itself. And certainly, um, you know, just to have a handle, even visually on these, on this, this chart of, of the way Ken portrays the metaphysics of the course, I think is really, 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 really helpful. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it yet, check it out sometime. Um, let's see. Our format, hopefully, depending on whether this works or not, because as usual, when we start something new, we ran into all kinds of technical difficulty when we started. Our format will be to um, uh, open the meeting up, get quiet for a little bit, meditate a little bit, get quiet together, and then um, play Ken for about 20, 25 minutes or, or so uh, um, in a linear way. We'll just go through his entire recorded seminar on. Uh, on the psychotherapy pamphlet, we'll play up to about 25 minutes of him, you know, and if, you, if you're up for it, take notes, you know, write down questions or comments you might have about things that he says, and then we'll turn off the video, and then hit, we'll turn off his video, and then, uh, and then we'll talk about it. Um, and the video is a little weird because I'm, I'm using my own camera, I'm playing the video on my screen and then I'm showing, uh, I'm uh, turning my camera around and we'll be watching it. So if you're prone to migraines and stuff, you might not want to watch it. You might just want to listen because <laughs> it's a little bit fluctuating in color. Uh, it's like you took a, you know, a hit of some really good psychedelic drug because <laughs> Ken's kind of like all bluish and he's fading and coming and going. So. I mean, if, you, if that's gonna drive you crazy, don't look, <laughs> just listen. <laughs> Listening will drive you crazy enough. Just, just look and uh, you know, take notes and, um, and then we'll talk about it. Um, and remind me, Dave and Bruce, if, if <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I'm giving Dave a job. <laughs> look at his face. Or, or Steve, and remind me to stop recording when I put Ken on and when I take Ken off, remind me to start recording again because I don't want to violate the foundation's copyright stuff. <laughs> Heaven forbid. <laughs> Ken wouldn't care, but <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be responsible here. <laughs> um, uh, one of the sections in the in the text itself, the text for A Course of Miracles, that, that's about psychotherapists, um, is in chapter nine, section five, the unhealed healer. And um, you might want to take a look at that at some point if you continue in the series and, you know, this is really calling you. He talks about the psychotherapist and the theologian in chapter 9, section 5, as two forms of unhealed healer. Um, and he probably picked on those because Helen was interested in those two fields. <laughs> Helen was a psychotherapist. But, I mean, anything we do in form as a profession we're, we're, if we're doing it with the ego, we're unhealed healers. <laughs> and if we're doing it with the Holy Spirit, we'll be a healed healer. And it doesn't matter whether we're delivering mail or I'm talking about the Course in Miracles or I'm, I'm doing a psychotherapy session. The idea is if I leave Jesus out, I'm on my own and I'm running with the ego no matter what I'm doing. And if I include the Holy Spirit or Jesus in the process of whatever my profession is, then things are going to turn around. And my perception of everybody I'm dealing with is going to change, including myself. 
So, I mean, in that chapter nine, section five, he's picking on, <laughs> kind of picking on theologians and, and psychotherapists. But really, he's talking about us in general. All of us are unhealed healers, no matter what we're doing, if we're not connected in some kind of um, conscious awareness with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus when we're going through our day. Whatever we're doing, we'll just automatically go back to default ego mode and we'll be looking for trouble. So it, even in this pamphlet, I mean, he's going to, you know, he's focusing on the seemingly the professional psychotherapy, but he's really talking about all of us. And, and he points that out throughout the whole pamphlet. We're all psychotherapists and we're all clients. We're all patients. <laughs> so ultimately, we're all patients of the Holy Spirit or we're clients of the Holy Spirit or we're pupils of the Holy Spirit. But the gist of it is, no matter what we're doing, if I'm doing it with the ego, I'm looking to blame somebody for my lack of peace, and, and I'll do it in whatever I'm doing, my profession or whatever. And if I'm doing what I'm doing, my profession or whatever, with the Holy Spirit, then everything's going to turn around. And I'm going to see the world differently. I'm going to see you differently. I'm going to see myself differently. So that unhealed healer in Chapter 9, Section 5, if you get a chance, check it out. It follows um, the ego's plan of forgiveness. Well, actually, the title of the section, section four, is the Holy Spirit's plan of forgiveness. But what he's talking about in section five is how when the theologian and the psychotherapist are operating from an ego point of view and they're looking at their client like, like they are the problem and not realizing what the real issue is, then, then they're basically they're implementing the ego's plan of forgiveness. That's the way he starts out that section. So it, hopefully some of this makes a little sense. If it doesn't, just pick up those two sections and read it, and maybe it'll make a little bit more sense. Um, but they're, I think they're really helpful in terms of specifically looking at this, this topic of psychotherapy. Um, as an opening meditation, I uh, wanted to do depending on what, what lesson you're on, um, I wanted to, to do lesson, the last two paragraphs in lesson 157. So if you are working the lessons based on the leap year, one day at a time, you'll be on this lesson. Actually, I guess you were on the, that lesson today. And if, you're, if you kind of did one of the lessons twice on leap year day, then you'll be on lesson 156. But anyway, this is from lesson 157 for, for the School for Course of Miracles. It's tomorrow's lesson. And uh, paragraph eight and nine on page 297, um, talk about embarking on something new, <laughs> on, on, on a course, on a new way of doing things. And uh, I thought that certainly appropriate for what we're trying to do here hopefully what we will do here <laughs> is go down this path together with the Holy Spirit and Jesus as our teacher. So Lynn, you want to read paragraph eight and nine on page 297 in the workbook, and then we'll get quiet for a little bit. Sure. <clears throat> Today, we will embark upon a course you have not dreamed of. 
But the Holy One, the giver of the happy dreams of life, translator of perception into truth, the holy guide to heaven given you, has dreamed for you this journey which you take and start today. With the experience this day holds out to you to be your own. Into Christ's presence will we enter now, serenely unaware of everything except his shining face and perfect love. The vision of his face will stay with you, but there will be an instant which transcends all vision, even this, the holiness, holiest. This you will never teach, for you attained it not through learning. Yet the vision speaks of your remembrance of what you knew that instant and will surely know again. And we'll get quiet for a little bit. I'll bring us out. And gently, gently come back. So in terms of the technical side of things, if you want to, uh, oh, and if you're familiar with this, um, there's two ways of looking at the screen. One is speaker view where, you know, the main, the what, whoever is speaking fills up most of the screen. And that's a good thing to have if, if you're going to watch Ken and you want to see him, um, put it on speaker view. Um, when I'm talking about the chart, it helps to put it on speaker view. Otherwise, if you want to see everybody equally, then just uh, leave it on gallery view. And in most computers, that's in the upper right-hand corner, um, if you're familiar with that option. The other thing is, we've been having really, some really strange issues today with the computer. <laughs> so if I lose everybody, just come back. <laughs> I'll stop playing the video because <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the video, but <laughs> for a while there, it, it, nothing was working. <laughs> the screen was dark. <laughs> I don't know if it was my ego that was freaking out or Jesus just didn't want me to watch or what was going on. <laughs> but it, if you lose us, just try to come, you know, go back to the link and try to come back on and we'll just wing it <laughs> one way or another. So just keep that in mind. Um, anybody have any questions or comments about that technical side of things? That... George, are you raising your hand or are you just waving or you're on mute, George. You're on mute.
Well, anybody else got anything while George is trying to figure out his microphone? <laughs> and we'll go back to George. Anything about technical stuff or anything like that? So yeah, so the plan is to um, record it w without, without the Ken part. And that's why Dave's gonna remind me. <laughs> very good, very good. Oh, very, very good, all right. So uh, on that note, um, and the, the main purpose for, for the School for a Course in Miracles deciding to do this, uh, you see Robert Rye up there, it's his fault. <laughs> I was talking to Bob the other day and Bob was talking about how meaningful the, this whole pamphlet was to him. And, um, and it reminded me of, of the, the pamphlet's focus is all about healing, especially in, in terms of, in times, in this time of pandemic's craziness, healing is a hot topic as it should be what the real healing is, where the real healing is, who do we access as the real healer, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I, I think it's good, certainly for us as a community and certainly for us um, in, in this time to, to look at what Jesus is talking about, what real healing is. Go ahead, George. I, uh, I wasn't raising my hand. I oh. was just <laughs> Darn. Okay. <laughs> Well, now you know where your mic is. That's good. <laughs> Very good. Alrighty. So we'll try up. I'm going to try to put on the video. Um, where's Dave? Put up your stop sign, Dave. <laughs> stop. Very good. Yeah. Do a few technical adjustments here so we can see most people on the screen. There we go. Looks like we got whole mess of people up on the screen and we got 11 people who have chosen not to show themselves, which is fine. <laughs> 10 people or so. So that's fine. Um, so a couple points that always, I feel like it's important to emphasize. Um, this psychotherapy thing from Jesus's point of view has nothing at all to do with your patient. <laughs> with the person you're dealing with, <laughs> with your client, with the guy you're delivering mail to, <laughs> with, the, with the person on the highway. The only mind that needs to be healed is mine. <laughs> and, and the good part of that is, is when my mind's healed, since minds are all connected, that's when the healing takes place. And that's really, really, really <laughs> important to keep that in mind in any, any situation I'm in. If I'm standing in the line at the food store, you know, just one quick way of putting it that I, I use a lot is, am I seeing this person the way Jesus does? And if not, <laughs> usually I have a, some sense of that. If not, am I willing to see that person the way Jesus is? Even if they're taking forever in the food line or whatever it is that's going on, or they just cut me off in traffic or whatever. But the question always is, it's my mind, it's my issue. As Bob likes to point out, it's, it's my projected guilt on any given situation that's the issue. It, it's got nothing to do with the other guy. At one point, Jesus says, towards the end of the pamphlet, basically he says it all the way through, but the healing takes place. The healing actually takes place between a psychotherapist 
and their client when, where are you, Bruce? Go ahead, say it. <laughs> and mute there. When the therapist forgets to judge the patient. Got nothing to do with the patient. <laughs> it's the therapist is willing to see the patient the way Jesus does, stops judging the patient, and voila, <laughs> everybody's healed. <laughs> nah, yeah, no, really. <laughs> really, that's what it's all about. The other thing that stands out is, um, you know, we talk about projected guilt. Like, well, I'm not doing that. However, <laughs> I mean, guilt sounds like a, you know, a pretty heavy-duty word. However, I mean, there's different ways that Jesus approaches, approaches this word guilt. In chapter 11, the section we were looking at recently, he's using the word blame. If I'm blaming anybody for anything, even if in time and space they did something off the wall, and maybe they are guilty of doing something off the wall, but if I'm saying they're robbing me of my peace, then, I, then the given is I'm projecting my guilt on them for believing I left God, and now I'm often running with that idea. I don't own that. I don't let it go as a silly, preposterous thing that I could even leave God. And I, I project it out, and I'll go looking for drama to blame somebody for my lack of peace, because I believe I separated. So this idea of projected guilt, I mean, there's all kinds of ways Jesus approaches it. In uh, lessons like 68 all the way up to workbook lesson 90, he's using the word grievances over and over and over and over again. But it's another word for projected guilt. If I'm holding a grievance against you, if I'm holding a, a resentment about something you did, it, either in the past or something happening now, or it's a planned resentment, I know you're going to do something again. <laughs> I just know it. <laughs> you did it before, you're going to do it again. If That's always the guilt, whether we're calling it that or not. If I'm not seeing you the way Jesus sees you, it's got to be projected guilt. It's got to be a resentment waiting to happen that is not already happening. So, I mean, don't, don't get stuck on the word guilt. <laughs> I mean, it's a bad word, and, and, but it's all made up. That's the good news. However, if I'm projecting that, I call it all kinds of things, and I try to minimize what's actually happening. Yeah, but look what they did. Oh, yeah, maybe they had a bad childhood. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether they had a bad childhood. It's not their problem. My projected guilt is my problem. My unwillingness to look inside of me and ask Jesus for help to see you're okay and I'm okay is my problem. Whether it's a psychotherapist's relationship with a client or whatever it is. The other uh, thing that he uh, mentioned, this idea of shared interest. Uh, it's easy to get off on thinking, if I rob a bank with somebody, we have a shared interest. Well, sort of, kind of, <laughs> but that's not, not the kind of shared interest Jesus is talking about. From his point of view, there's only two shared interests in any given moment, and one of them isn't even real. So there's the shared interest of the ego that I seemingly share with other egos, that we are separate, that we are in pain, and it's not my fault. There was an old psychology today, uh, magazine cover way back when where two people were well-dressed in suits at a, at a dinner party 
and instead of heads, they had guns. <laughs> it was a gun sitting on their shoulder and they were pointing them at each other. <laughs> I still remember that image. <laughs> it was pre-course, but it stuck in my head. <laughs> that, that that's what we do when, when we're in ego mode is we're gunning. <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna shoot whoever the problem maker is. And so that's one shared interest, is when I'm in ego mode, that's what I share. You're the problem, I'm not the problem, and you're sharing that same idea with me. However, the other shared interest is when we, is the way out, is the Holy Spirit, when I'm willing to see my brother the way Jesus does. The one I'm willing to see whoever it is I'm pointing the finger at or pointing my gun at the way Jesus sees them. Not with con condemnation, not with judgment, not with blame, not with a, a, a resentment waiting to happen, but a willingness to see beyond that to their innocence as a son of God. And in that moment, I'll experience my own innocence as a son of God. So those are the two shared interests. There's a shared interest of the ego, meaning we're looking for trouble because I don't want to let go of my belief in separation or the shared interest of the Holy Spirit, meaning there is no separation and I can see you the way Jesus does. That's it. Those are the only two shared interests. However, they play out in, in the, you know, in traffic or with your partner or, or wherever you're at in any given moment, you're either sharing that interest of ego identification and it's not your fault or you're sharing the interest of the Holy Spirit and you're willing to see whoever it is the way Jesus does. And in that experience, you'll experience yourself the way Jesus does. That's the big tale. And minds are joined, so everybody's happy after that. Even if they don't even look happy. <laughs> They're happy and they don't know it, which is fine. <laughs> so any, 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 any thoughts you had about anything that's been said so far, anything Ken said, or any of that stuff? Go ahead. Tim, I, I just wanted to... to uh... The, the humor of what you shared with about the, you know, the, the scheduled resentments. I was just thinking, well, let's see, I can, I can uh, look at my calendar. I can see, I, I can book a resentment session for such and such a time. You know, we, we wouldn't consciously think that, but you know, how often do we, that's the ends up being what we do. <laughs> I don't know. It just struck me funny. Oh yeah. And anything we book, if we follow through with that, with the ego, it's gotta be a resentment session. <laughs> that's why we're here from the ego's point of view. It doesn't look like that. It looks like we're just being normal. But if I book anything on my calendar and I go through that experience with the ego, I'm looking for trouble. I have to. I mean, it's just the way it is. Those are the two choices. <laughs> and one of them I don't admit. Stephen? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the thing about that, uh, you know, scheduling resentments is uh, you always go in. I always go into it, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to make it better. It always comes out wrong. And I always feel worse. You can, you can bank it and depend on it every time. At least that's the way it works for me. And if you choose the other way, it's just the opposite. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Anybody? Okay. Um, well, let's, let's finish that paragraph, too, that Ken was reading. Um, Tim, can Yo, I? Go ahead. Oh, hi, Tom. Um, hey there. I just have a saying for me. Um, I never feel good trying to make someone else look bad. Period. I never feel good trying to make someone else feel bad. Because just like the gentleman just said, 
you're going to go into it and you're never going to come back feeling good. It's shared interests and they're holy or they're not. One mind, I'm giving that right back to myself as a boomerang. So I just put it out there if that's helpful to anybody, that little thing. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. I mean, you know, for a few seconds, we might feel good. If our favorite political bad guy gets it eventually, we might feel good for a few seconds, but it's not going to change my own guilt. <laughs> it's just going to reinforce it because <laughs> I'm going to think they're the guilty party. So, yeah, one of the chapters, he, he calls it, or he implies that when I feel good, when something like that happens for a few seconds, I'm dancing on God's grave. My connection with my father is shot, and it's not my fault. And I can really nail, nail it on the other guy. It's his, it's his responsibility. And he, he's going to get punished for it. That's when I usually rejoice for a few seconds, when the other guy gets it, who deserves it, quote, unquote. And it doesn't mean in time and space, you know, people do dumb things, and, they, you know, appropriately, they should be dealt with. But if I hang on to it, and I nurture that, and I think they really are not a son of God, then I'm just reinforcing my own belief that I'm not a son of God. So the payoff always is, if, if I'm willing to see my brother that way, I'll realize I'm okay too. Go ahead, Judy. I just wanted to give a, a note of appreciation that I feel um, for the opportunity to watch this, um, this video and be awestruck again um once more by ken's ability to take um to do a synopsis like this um for us um i mean how many times have i heard these things but every time i hear him speak about them and this time it was the emphasis on shadows that um that I really hadn't heard before, and which is near and dear to my young in heart, uh, that I found a little bit new. So just just a, a comment on that. Thanks, thanks, Judy. Um, yeah, when I was watching Ken, it was, and, and you know, I was aware there was a whole community watching him. It was like the old days. <laughs> I was back at Roscoe, <laughs> or I was back in Temecula, <laughs> and we're all sitting there. And, and in a sense, you know, Ken didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, he's still here. He's probably here more now than he ever was because <laughs> he doesn't have his body in the way. So when he does, it lights up everything, you know, everything we're doing <laughs> if we're willing to listen. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Thanks. Let's look at this paragraph, too. And we'll probably go to a little bit after six. So if you got to go somewhere, fine. And you don't hang out for a little bit longer. Paragraph two, and you know, he's, he's asking questions here, <laughs> like honestly, like, do you really wanna do this? Do you really wanna rejoice instead of condemn? Because I mean, that's the alternative, like Fa was saying. If we don't go into this wanting to learn and wanting to see each other the way Jesus does, we're not gonna rejoice maybe for a few seconds, like I said, but ultimately we're going to be, you know, pointing the finger, gun, gunning each other down, and it's just going to go on and on and on. So what better purpose could any relationship have? Any, any relationship on the job, in traffic, 
in the food store. What purpose could any relationship have than to invite the Holy Spirit to enter into it and give it his own great gift of, of rejoicing instead of condemnation, instead of looking for trouble? That's always the choice. You know, we just think we're going to buy groceries. Nah. <laughs> it's not what it looks like. That's just the shadow. <laughs> it's just a shadow of the ego in full bloom uh, search and destroy, or it's the Holy Spirit being willing to see we're already all connected and we're all still one innocent son of God. Which is, you know, a reason to rejoice. What higher goal could there be for anyone than to learn to call upon God and hear his answer? In any situation, in any relationship. You know, and the typical ego response for me is, yeah, but I'm busy right now. I got things to do. <laughs> the, the, the computer just crashed and I got a meeting in five minutes. <laughs> I got to be freaking out. <laughs> Lynn's like, no, 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 just ask for help. <laughs> You'll be okay. <laughs> You'll get through it. And what more transcendent, I like that, a transcendent aim. What more transcendent aim can there be than to recall the way, the truth, and the life, and to remember God? To help in this is the proper purpose of psychotherapy. Once again, psycho not meaning crazy, but just meaning the mind level, not the brain, but the mind level. And therapy just simply meaning the healing, the healing of the mind, psychotherapy, healing of my mind. <laughs> and since minds are joined, we all get healed then. Are you on paragraph two? Yeah. Uh, line four. Okay. Yeah. So to help in this is the proper purpose of psychotherapy. Could anything, anything be holier? Nope. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good purpose. <laughs> For psychotherapy, correctly understood, teaches forgiveness and helps the patient to recognize and accept it. It's one of the nice way of saying, you know, we show by example. Minds are joined. If, I, if I'm aware that you're a son of God, somehow you'll pick up on it. And if you're aware that I'm a son of God, somehow on some level I pick up on it. Robert Rye, you started all this. You got anything to say? Bob, you're on mute. There you go. Nothing? You don't have anything to say? <laughs> I'm not fine. No, you said it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you started enough trouble already. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> For psychotherapy, correctly understood, teaches forgiveness, and helps the patient to recognize it and accept it. And in his healing, is the therapist forgiven with him, with, the, with whoever it is we're dealing with whether we call them client or patient or partner or pet. <laughs> we do this with our pets too, right? Very good. Everyone who needs help, regardless of the form of his distress, is attacking himself. 
That's what distress is. <laughs> we wouldn't be in distress if we weren't attacking ourselves. our true identity as one son of God. It might look like, you know, I mean, we're never upset for the reason we think. I mean, we blame all kinds of people for all kinds of things. But ultimately, we're just attacking ourselves because we believe guilt is real. Guilt in the other guy is real. Guilt in the other guy has robbed me of my peace. And ultimately, I'm just attacking you and myself as a son of God. And his peace of mind is suffering in consequence. Peace of mind is shot at that point. <laughs> I mean, it's gone. <laughs> Once I've chosen the ego as my teacher, and then I pretend I didn't, and then I got to go looking for trouble and blame you. Peace of mind shot at that point. <laughs> we got to back up a little. Back up, Loretta, and look at this stuff. Um, these tendencies are often described as self-destructive. Well, hell yeah, <laughs> because we're just, we think we're, and, and the, the, the good news is you can't destroy capital S self, but we sure give it a, 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 sh a good shot <laughs> on any given blaming day. That's what we're trying to do is destroy capital S self without ever admitting that's what we're doing. And the patient often regards them in that way himself. Well, every, anybody's in ego mode, that's what's going on. What he does not realize and needs to learn is that this self, which can attack and be attacked as well, is a concept he made up. Not just the patient, that's what we gotta learn. <laughs> we did this, I did this. Am I willing to take responsibility for that? And I start with you, whoever it is I'm pointing the finger at. First step of forgiveness. What if uh, the reason I'm upset, I'm not upset for the reason I think? What if it's not you that's doing it? Yeah, in time and space, maybe you need to be straightened out a little bit. But why is that bothering me? No matter how egregious it is, how unfair it is, how corrupt it is, I mean, if we could get through a day without having to blame somebody and ultimately blame ourselves, I mean, that's a really good Holy Spirit day. <laughs> Even to do that for 10 minutes is pretty good. That's what we're shooting for here. Um, let's see. Further, line four, paragraph three, three, further he cherishes it. Attack, a guilt. We cherish it, we defend it and is sometimes even willing to die, <laughs> sacrifice our lives for our own guilt, projected on the other guy on its behalf. Behold me, brother, at your hands I croak. <laughs> Look what you did. Behold me, brother, at your hands I suffer. Your guilt, not mine. We defend it, we cherish it. <laughs> we defend our right to point the finger at somebody. This self he sees as being acted on, reacting to external forces as they demand and helpless miss the power of the world. A nice description of the first step of forgiveness. I am upset for the reason I think. Well, maybe not, maybe not. So we started this with a big bang here. So <laughs> we'll continue next Friday. Anybody have any closing thoughts or comments or throw tomatoes or <laughs> Dave, do you have another sign for me? <laughs> uh, 
I do, and I was going to hold it up right as you were ending, but. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. Hang in there. Spread the love, spread the peace. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Tim. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Tim. Really good. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Thank Wonderful. You. Thank right. you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Mm -hmm. See y'all. Yeah, thank you, Tim. See you next Friday. Mm -hmm.